Welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of March 19th and is preached by our pastor, Brother Mike Sylvie. Our prayer is that this message builds you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. Here now is Brother Mike preaching from Genesis 11, 1 through 9. There's a great tower that was built back in the very, very early days of history. It's recorded for us here in Genesis chapter 11. That tower represented the spirit of the world, which was in opposition to God. It was built originally just a hundred short years after the flood. Just a hundred short years after Noah walked off that flood with his, off the ark during that, after the flood with his family, and they began to multiply spread out over the earth, just really within a, a generation or two, they're back to rebelling against God. That's because there is a spirit of the world that is present. And it's all around us. It's operating. The enemy of God, the devil, uses that spirit of the world, that influence. And that spirit can tempt us and affect us because we're all sinners. We've been saved by grace, but we still have the, the old part of us that's still hanging around, and we're still weak, and if we don't stay in the God's Word and we don't uh, walk with the Spirit, we can be influenced by this Spirit of the world just like anybody else. And we're going to talk today about how to resist that Spirit and how we can yield ourselves and follow the, the opposite of that Spirit, and that is the Spirit of God. In obedience to him. So look what would be in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. Let's read about this great tower. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone. And they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city. Notice, the Lord had to come down to see their great tower. The city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Now the actual structure of this tower, and even the city that was around it at the time, 
is, is buried under the ground right now. It's long since been destroyed. But the spirit of this tower is alive and well in this world. And you face it every single day of your life. And that spirit of opposition that's in this world, that's in the core of this world system, is driving us away from God. It's pulling us away from Him all the time. And we need to resist it. But this tower is here. And in fact, the Bible tells us that in the end times, that this Babylon, this spirit of the world, it will revive itself. And actually, there will be a great city in the end times. It's not this literal city because the prophecy in Isaiah says this city will never be rebuilt, even though many have tried and some are still trying today. But another city, some city with the same spirit, is going to be the greatest city the world's ever seen, uh, that the world wants to see, and it will go by this name Babylon or Babel. Babel means confusion. So Babylon is a city and the empire that came out of this spirit of opposition. Now, I've got a few pictures that I want to show you up on the screen and to show you what's going on in modern-day Iraq today because this is where the old ancient area of Babylon is actually located. And you see the, the, the walls that have been rebuilt here. This is actually something that's been rebuilt in the last several decades, and this is on the old site of Babylon where this Tower of Babel existed. And you see the famous Ishtar Gate, very beautiful gate that uh, Nebuchadnezzar built, and it's being rebuilt. That's the actual structure, how it looks today. And then there's a palace that's there. Saddam Hussein actually built that palace, rebuilt that palace on that ancient site, and then you know what happened to him. Uh, he got delayed in his building project, and... <laughs> Today he is no more, but that's what's actually on the site right now. So just to give you an idea that uh, Babylon's coming back, okay, Babel's coming back. The spirit's always been here; it's still very influential. But the world is going to gather around uh, just a one system eventually, and in the middle of that system, the glory of that system is going to be this great city called Babylon. And they're again going to try to build a tower which exalts them and, and lifts them through the heavens and lifts them to the great life that, that they say they can have. But it is a tower that one day also will come down. And we'll look at that at the end of the message. So what I, what I want you to see today and understand is that Babel is coming back. Um, even though some have tried to rebuild it, the Bible says very clearly it will not be rebuilt but there is something happening on the site there. But the spirit is alive and well. Um, did you realize, have you ever heard of companies with the name Babylon in it? I looked that up because I've been coming across several of them. And there's actually over a hundred different companies in, a, in the U.S. now with the name Babylon in it. And one of those companies is called Babylon Health. And it is a cutting-edge technology-based healthcare system in which artificial intelligence, a fake doctor, diagnoses you and gives you your healthcare advice. And this is a company that's going worldwide. Their mission is to provide quality healthcare 
and make it accessible and affordable to every person on earth. And in 2021, they, they grossed $323 million. So Babylon's coming back. It's, it's going to be a very tangible, material part of the future that we're headed into. But this spirit is all around us now, trying to get us to disobey God. And the same three mottos that they had back in Genesis chapter 11, we find them in verse 4, are the same three mottos that they live by today. And I want to give those to you in this message this morning so you can be on the lookout for them and resist these ways of thinking whenever they come to you. Number one, the first motto of this spirit of the world is we eliminate God. We're going to eliminate God out of our life. We don't need him. We don't want him. We're just going to usher him out. And they did this first by building this great tower, verse 4 says, whose top is in the heavens. And, and so don't think that these folks were trying to get near to God by going up in the heavens. They weren't trying to get close to God. They were trying to get as far away from him and eliminate him from their life as possible. Now I think I can show you that from Scripture because after the flood, um, or during the, the flood, and the scriptures that talk about that in Genesis chapter 7, the Bible notes that the waters prevailed 15 cubits upward and the mountains were covered. And so the highest mountain was covered. And so when these folks finally got organized, and they said, we're going to rebel against this God who sent the flood, they decided they were going to build a tower that was so high that if God ever sent a flood, or if it came after them with fire, they built it out of bricks, that they would escape. You see, this tower really was, was God-proofing their lives. They were trying to get away from him, his consequences, everything about him. They were trying to rise above that in their own power and strength. And people are trying to do that today. This Tower of Babel spirit exists wherever there are folks that say God and the Bible don't belong in the public square. Have you heard that? And that Christianity doesn't belong in, in, in the government. Now there's a separation of church and state. We need that. But there's no separation of Christianity and state. In fact, our government has been based upon principles of Christianity. It's all through the founding documents. But the spirit of the world says, no, no, we don't need this God. We're going to rise above him. We're going to go beyond him. We don't need him in our life. And that's what they were trying to accomplish by building this tower. It's the spirit of the world, and it needs to be resisted. They also say that prayer and any reference to Christianity don't belong in our schools. This spirit's alive and well in the world today. They say moral truth doesn't apply in personal choices about one's body and in marital and sexual relationships. God must be eliminated. This is the philosophy that's spreading through our country today and it has a stronghold all across the world and it goes all the way back to the, the Tower of Babel. Them trying to eliminate God and his ways and his laws from their life. But we need God. We can't breathe without him. We can't take one step in life in the right direction without him. We need him. 
And so we need to declare that we, we establish God in our life and we resist any effort to get him out of our life. Now, we've got to be careful because practically we can do the same thing when we get off track. We start getting busy and we start filling our life with things of the world and other experiences and we can get so distracted from church and from God that we begin to really live life and God's just, he's just kind of pushed to the corners of our life. And when we do that, we begin to run on empty because we need him. We need to be filled with his spirit. We need to be under his control for everything that we do. And if we separate ourselves from him and try to live apart from him, we begin to, to grow empty. You don't lose your salvation, but you can lose the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And when you do that, you begin to struggle, and you begin to run on empty. And then God loves you so much, he begins to get you, try to get your attention through some, some chastening, and through some discipline, and things begin to kind of unravel in your life. And what do we do sometimes when those consequences come? We just build a tower beyond it. We try to. We try to run faster. We try to do more. We try to make ourselves happy. We try to do all this stuff to get beyond living under God's full control. We've got to be careful. In this world, we're going to continue to have things get dip more difficult, tougher, harder. And we cannot bring joy and happiness into our life by following the things the world wants to give us. We must go to God himself through his spirit and receive what he has for us. We've been made for him. And we only operate rightly as we operate under his full control. So this is the first motto that they had. This is how they lived. They said, we want a God-free life. We eliminate God. But that's the spirit of the world, and it should be resisted. Number two, the second model is that we exalt self. Look again in verse 4. They said, let us make a name for ourselves. Their life was centered around themselves. They wanted to be like other people of reputation that they had heard about before the days of the flood. In fact, this word, this, this word for name here is found in, um, in Genesis chapter 6 where it talked about those giant people, people of giant stature that were in the days leading up to Noah and they were mighty men, Genesis 6, 4 says. The men of, they were men who were of old, men of renown. And that means men of a name. And it's the same word that's found here in Genesis chapter 11. Men of reputation. Men who have uh, a life that towers over other people. And people look at them and go, wow, we'll, we'll look at them. And, and the people of the world, they want that. They want people to look at them and go, wow, look at their life. We won't be like them. It's the spirit of the world. It says we exalt ourselves. We want to make a name for ourselves. And we begin to follow everything that we want. It makes us feel good. But as Christians, our life should be about him. Exalting Christ. Saying, I want them to look at Christ when they look at me. I want to exalt him. In the Bible, King Saul in the Old Testament really is a good example of a self-centered life. A Saul spirit is a self-centered spirit. 
And let me give you three marks of a Saul spirit that we find from the Old Testament scripture. Number one, it's a feelings spirit. If you're a person that's got a self-centered approach to life, if you just run on feelings all the time. Now, feelings are good. God gave us feelings. But we cannot let our feelings dictate our actions. And especially not our beliefs and our convictions. We must base our beliefs and our convictions and our actions and our very life on the facts of God's Word, not our feelings. But the world doesn't do that. The world, this, they're, they're, they are their own God. And they followed their feelings. And that's what King Saul did in the Old Testament. When he had his first major battle, and it was in 1 Samuel chapter 13, it wasn't his first fight, but it was his first big fight. He was facing the Philistines for the first time. He was going up against the big boys, the major leagues. And he was worried about it. And Samuel had said, I'll meet you in seven days. You gather all the people. And he did that. The Philistines came and amassed a great army that actually outmanned and outpowered the Israelites in 1 Samuel chapter 13. And um, Samuel didn't show up. He was late. Those seven days ticked off and and he, he wasn't there. And here they were. The Philistines were gathering to attack. And what was Saul going to do? He followed his feelings. And he got ahead of God. Here's what he said in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 12. He, he, he said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled. Feelings. Felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. He offered the offering that only Samuel was qualified to offer. He was going on feelings. And a person that's always just letting their feelings dictate what they do, what they say, what they believe, is following the spirit of the world. But there's a better way to live. The Holy Spirit is the one who can control us. And he gives us the fruit of the spirit that's better than any feeling. Peace, love, joy, long-suffering. Goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He gives us all those things that we need in order to respond in any life situation. But King Saul was self-centered. He followed his feelings. Another thing he did was uh, he um, was fearful. A Saul spirit is not only a feeling spirit, but it's uh, driven by fear as well. It's a fearful spirit. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, we see this as, again, God told Saul to go and fight someone. It was the Amalekites this time because they were harassing God's people and had done that from the very beginning. And so God said, go and destroy the Amalekites and don't leave anything. We talked last week how that's harsh. God did destroy some people. But only after many, many hundred years of long-suffering, allowing them to turn around when they wouldn't, they were about to destroy themselves, then God acts. And it's really a gracious act on on God to stop the corruption that's spreading through the world. And so Saul was told to go to the Amalekites, but Saul did not do it. You remember the story? He brought back some things that he thought were pretty nice to keep. It was the spirit of the world that was driving him. And he explained in verse 24 of 1 Samuel 15, he said, 
uh, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Some people are just driven by fear. Now again, fear can be a healthy thing. It helps us to respond to danger. But uh, if we let it take us too far, it can be the opposite of faith. And we begin to stray from the Lord and what he's told us to do. We just begin to act upon our, our, our fears. And that's what Saul did here. He was trying to protect himself above all else. And another thing with King Saul that we see is that uh, this kind of spirit is a fallout spirit. It, it's, it's a spirit that leads people. If you're self-centered, you fall out with everybody. And somebody that falls out with everybody around him always has conflict all the time is someone that's being driven by the spirit of the world. Now, we can have disagreements. Paul and Barnabas had their disagreements. Having a fallout doesn't mean that you're necessarily in the wrong. But if you fall out all the time, there's something there that's not right. And Saul was one who was falling out with everybody. He fell out with Samuel. He fell out with Jonathan. He fell out with David. He fell out with God. He, Saul was the only one when, when David defeated Goliath. He was the only one that was not happy about it. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 9, it says, After David killed Goliath, Saul eyed David from that day forward. He put the evil eye on him. And he was watching him. Why? Because he was jealous of him. And he fell out with him because it was all about Saul. Saul wasn't getting the glory. Saul wasn't getting the attention. And it's the spirit of the world that makes us this way. And we've got to resist it. What did Jesus say? He said, anyone, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Kids, are y'all here? Y'all looking at me? There you go. Okay. Kids, there are things in your life, in this world, that can become this tower of Babel in your life. What is it? Very easy. Technology. Y'all can let this thing become this tool. It's a good tool. It makes us a lot smarter. In fact, it's made you smarter than us. <laughs> we have to ask you how to fix these things. But this little tool, kids, if you have one, if you don't have one, you're going to have one soon, I'm sure. If you don't have one, or if you do have one, it can suck you in to where you center all life around it. And you center yourself around it. And it becomes like this great tower of Babel that, that focuses life on you and not others and not God. So be careful about that, okay? It's all around us. Ladies, You've got all this talk circulating around the world about how you've been deprived all these centuries. And your place has been one of oppression and one of inequality. And now you need to rise. There's a tower you can climb and now you can get up and you can get higher than, any, higher than anybody else has been in your category. You can actually go and, and, and be better than all the men and everybody else that's controlled and kept you pushed down. That kind of talk can become a tower of Babel in your life if you're not careful. God's got a plan. He's got a model for us. It is for the, the man to be the, 
head of the home, head in the church, and that way we picture Christ, headship. But he's given you, ladies, a wonderful role, and that is to be the helper, to be someone who can help and be submitted to authority, just like Christ is submitted to the Father. You show Christ to the world just like we do. We each have our roles. We each have our place. And as the man is called to be the head of the home, to love you like he loves the church, he's called to die for you and to lift you up by God's grace and to meet your needs first above his and to lift you up to a place where you're higher than anybody else can be. The kingdom of this world has a tower, but it's going to come trump, 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 crumbling down. But God's tower, God's kingdom will never fall. And God wants you to have a place of grace in that kingdom, ladies. So say no to the spirit of the world that's around you. Man, you knew I was going to come to you, right? We're going down the list here. What, what's, what's our tower? Well, I think it's our temptation to take this great privilege that we have to have leadership roles, to be the ones out front. We can make this world our throne. We can just begin to take all our privileges and then make it all about us. That's what Nimrod did, the one who actually built the city of Babel. You go back to one chapter in Genesis chapter 10, you find that the great-great-grandson of Noah was Nimrod, and he's the one that built this city, which evidently was the very first city that was built after the flood. It goes back a long ways. And Nimrod, Genesis chapter 10 says, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. And that before could be translated against. He was a mighty hunter against the Lord. He was taking control against the Lord. He was going out doing what he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, how he wanted to do it. And he built... His kingdom, Genesis chapter 10 said, his kingdom began at Babel. And then he went on and built Nineveh, that great city. This guy was amazing. But yet, he did it all in opposition to God. So men, we can do our thing. You can hunt, you can fish, you can play, you can lead, you can do all this stuff. And the world's always telling you how good you are and you can, you can very easily make it about yourself. Just like Nimrod did. So guys, don't be a Nimrod. <laughs> Say no to the spirit of the world. So this is their motto, to center everything around themselves. There's a third model here, verse 4 shows us. Go back to Genesis chapter 11. And that is the motto, we establish rule. They said, lest, we won't do this, so lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. They were taking a stand against God's command. God had told them in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill the earth. Be scattered on the earth, fill it, take my glory everywhere. God said go, they said no. We like it right where we are. They were, say, they were saying no, we rule here. We're the ones that decide what we do. We're going to build this tower. We're going to build this, this city. We're going to build this kingdom. And it's going to be what we want to do. We establish rule. It really comes down to the question of who runs our lives. 
Who does run your life? Who is the one that has the, the right to tell you where to go and what to build and what to think and how to feel and how you're going to order your life? The world says, you do. You just, you just decide, do whatever you want to do. Follow your feelings. Do what looks good for you. But the Bible says, no, we establish God in our life. We exalt Christ in our life. We establish the rule of God through the Holy Spirit in our life. We yield to his control every single day, and we follow him. We're going to invite you to follow him today. If you've been walking around the Tower of Babel, you've been following the things the world wants you to do, I'm going to invite you to come to Christ today. Before we do that, I want you to see how it all ends. Because this tower truly is a tower to nowhere. In Revelation chapter 18, the Bible shows us how all will come down. Revelation chapter 17 actually identifies this city as Babylon the Great. There in verse 5, the mother of harlots of the abominations of the earth. It's a great city that's described in this chapter, in chapter 18, as being the center of all wealth and luxury. It's also the, the center of decadence and depravity, as so much associated with Babylon is. There's a movie that came out in 2022 called Babylon. You should not go to see that movie. If you didn't, if you did see it, you need to repent of it and cleanse your heart from it because it's simply a showcase of depravity and decadence that the spirit of the world is all about. Babylon is rising, but it will come down. Revelation chapter 18, God says in verse 4 and 5, he says, here's the voice from heaven, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Verse 8, Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Verse 21, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down, and shall be found no more. The spirit of the world is well and alive, and it will suck you in, and it will, it will keep you from being what God wants you to be. I want our church to be filled with Christ followers who say no to the spirit of the world because that's a road to nowhere. That's a road to destruction. But I want a church family that's filled, and I want to be that, that kind of person that's filled with the Spirit of God, that establishes God and all of His goodness, who exalts Christ because He is the name above all names, and then who follows His rule through the Holy Spirit because it's only through the Spirit that we can be who we need to be and do what we need to do. And we'll find ourselves in a kingdom and on a road that goes into eternity. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. 
Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.